You are listening to an Elam Church Christchurch podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired by the message you are about to hear. And if you're ever in Christchurch, why don't you pop in and say hello. We'd love to connect. All right, this message is called Standing on God's Word. Has there ever been a time when you've fallen asleep unexpectedly and then woken up disorientated, not sure of the time or even what day it is? I think for me, a lot of the last year or two has been a bit like that. Routines have been broken and things have shifted and changed around me. The way in which I work, the times at which my family gathers, how I attend church, the places I can go, who I can meet with and when or where. Let's face it, the last year or two have been a bit crap. During this time, we have come across influences, guides, authorities and people trying to tell us what to do. And they all think they know what is best for us. And what they're telling us to do is for our own good. But how do we reconcile with that, with how we would like to live, and also with the will of God and what he wants for us? We can pray. I have a friend who at the beginning of each year does this. She prays and asks God for a word for the year ahead. This is a great thing to do. I've done it and I've had some words. Each was supported by its own small statement found within a Bible verse or two. These words have included, Go, because how can they believe if they have not heard? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? Pray, at all times, let your requests be known to God. And be still and know that I am God. Actually, I've had this one a couple of times. Being still isn't something I'm great at. And as I've said, this has been great. Go, pray, be still. They're just small words given to me by God that challenge me, grow me, and help me to go deeper in my relationship with him. But I think that this year, I'd like to do something different. Because unlike all the other people around me who think they know what's best for me, God actually does, and I know he can be trusted. So as I came to write this, I decided that instead of asking God for a word for my life, I'd like to do something different. I would like to take God at his word instead. Did you know there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible? This year, I decided I would like to take just one of them and stand on it, knowing that God honours his promise and that his promises often require something of us. I think there are times when we get so focused on doing God's work and what we think he requires of us, we also forget that he is a loving father that cares for us, guides us, watches over us, listens to us, helps us when we are hurting, provides for us, meets our daily needs, and of course loves us. In Matthew 7, verses 7 to 11, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If then you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, 
give good gifts to those who ask him. Most of us know this. Yet, when times are good and everything is going well, it is easy to forget. And when times are bad and we are hurting due to issues with family, relationship breakdowns, facing problems with our work, our health or our finances, it seems to be a more natural response to worry and try to solve our problems on our own rather than turn to God for help. In Psalm 23 verses 1 to 3 it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. This is written by David, who had some challenges in life to face. He started off life as a shepherd boy, fighting off lions and bears. He became a warrior, fighting to defend a nation, and wound up as a king who had the responsibility of leading a nation. Yet here, he compares himself with a sheep. Why does the Bible so often compare us with sheep? Because sheep are one of the most dependent creatures on the earth. They must trust in the shepherd for everything they need. As humans, it seems to be natural to be anxious about what we cannot see, understand or control. And while it is one thing to say that we believe in God, it is another to place all of our trust in him alone. Trust is about taking God at his word, Believing he is faithful, he does care for us, and if he said something is true, it is, even if there is no evidence available. I also know that when life gets tough, for many people, myself included, the last thing we think to do is pray, if, even if we believe it's the first thing we should do. It's a good, good thing that God is faithful. We need to learn to stand on his word and trust in the promises that he has for us. Because God is who he says he is. He will do what he says he is going to do. He is always at work, even if we don't see it. And he can do the impossible. However, in order to stand firm on God's word, we first need to know what it says. The Bible tells us in Joshua 1 verse 8 to study this book of instruction continually. Meditate it on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in everything you do. And in Psalm 1 verses 1 to 3 it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And of course, in Second Timothy verses 3, Timothy 3 verses 15 to 7, it tells us all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we are supposed to meditate on it day and night. The word meditate means to ponder, reflect or turn over in your mind. Don't just read the scriptures, learn them, study them, and meditate on them. 
The Bible is more than just an historical book full of instructions and interesting stories. It is the living word of God. It can create faith, ease suffering, change lives, build hope, and transform the world around us. But first, we need to get God's word into us. Train our minds to see things from his perspective and get to know what his will for us is. But how can we do how can we trust that the Bible is still relevant today? After all, it was written over hundreds of years, thousands of years ago, if not by our own experiences, then by its own testimony. The Bible tells us that God is faithful. His word stands as true as today as when it was written. There are many scriptures that give evidence of this, such as Psalm 119, verses 89 to 90, where we read, Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth, and it endures. In the same Psalm, 119, verse 160, it says, all your words are true, and your righteous laws are eternal. And again, in Psalm 145, verse 13, it says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises, and faithful in all he does. So we know that his word is eternal, and it is relevant to each generation, including ours. We also know that God cannot lie. As the Bible tells us in Numbers 23, verse 19, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. He does not speak, then not act. Does he promise and not fulfill? But most importantly, we know that God is able. And whatever he declares, he is able to bring to pass, no matter how impossible it may seem. To, by him, the universe was formed, a family was rescued from a worldwide flood. A nation was established from a couple well past childbearing age. A sea became as dry land. The walls of a city fell after an army had simply marched around them for seven days. The mouths of lions were shut and fiery flames did not consume his servant. And this is just some of the many miracles God has performed and the promises he has fulfilled. But the greatest promises God ever made found their fulfillment in Jesus. As Hebrews 6 verses 13 to 20 says, God's sure promise. When God made his promise to Abraham, he made a vow to do what he had promised. And since there was no one greater than himself, he used his own name when he made the vow. He said, I promise you that I will bless you and give you many descendants. Abraham was patient, so he received what God had promised. When we make a vow, we use the name of someone greater than ourselves, and the vow settles all arguments. To those who were to receive what he promised, God wanted to make it very clear that he would not change his purpose, so he added his vow to the promise. These are two things, then, that cannot change and about which God cannot lie. So, we have found safety with him and am greatly encouraged to hold firm to the hope placed before us. We have this hope as an anchor for our lives. It is safe and sure and goes 
through the curtain into the heavenly temple of the inner sanctuary. On our behalf, Jesus has gone in there before us, and he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The hope, the anchor for our soul is Jesus, who makes a way for us to approach God. That is why in Hebrews 4, verse 14 to 16, it says, Let us come near to God, since we have a great high priest who ascended to heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firm to the faith we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus, during his lifetime, fulfilled over 300 Old Testament prophecies, who himself said he came to fulfill all that Moses and the prophets spoke. He came as the seed of Abraham, as a king from the line of David who would rule forever. As a high priest in the order of Melchizedek, he came as God. He came as the son of God, as the heir to the kingdom of heaven, as a human. But most importantly, he came as our savior. We have every reason to take God at his word because what he says is faithful and true and will come to pass. Because of the sacrifice Jesus made, we have access to his righteousness and by it the privilege of being able to come before God as his children and access his benefits. Moreover, there is power in the word of God. This is conclusively shown in Matthew 4 verses 1 to 10 when Jesus is tested in the wilderness. The Bible tells us that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the son of stone, son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city to stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, Throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Right before he started his public ministry, Jesus was tested these three times. And in each incident, he defeated Satan by the word of God alone. Not by his own authority, not by his sovereignty as creator of the universe and all things in it. Not by supernatural power, but by God's word alone. This is proof that there is power in the word of God. That is why we need to learn it and apply it to our lives. As Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need to learn to stand on God's word. Why? Because there are times when the challenges we face in life are overwhelming. Where do you turn when you are worried about money, 
being tempted, need wisdom for a decision, are feeling empty, are worried about your future, or feeling unable to cope with what you're facing. Be honest here. Do you worry, stress, trying to resolve the issue in your own strength? Do you turn to God? Do you remember to pray? And if so, do you turn to the Bible and claim God's promises over your situation? God responds to our prayers, but claiming God's word makes our requests more direct. It lines them up with his will and it shows our faith as we trust in him to fulfill what he has promised us. By claiming his word, we put his power behind our prayers. We need to look beyond our situation, to the one whom our help comes from. We need to search the scriptures, find promises that relate to our situation, start praying them and trusting in God to bring them to pass in our lives. We need to learn how to stand on God's word. To do this, you must first accept that God loves you unconditionally, not just know it, but really accept it. We may know that God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. But the problem remains that we cannot always see what his plan for us is. So we may become frustrated when he doesn't answer our prayers when we want him to or in the way we expect. There can, however, be another reason why sometimes our prayers and the promises of God seem to go unanswered. And that is because God requires something of us. One of the most well-known examples of this is the promise that God has placed over the area of our finances. In Malachi 3 verse 10, it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. It is the only time in the Bible where God actually invites us to test him. We give him our tithe, 10% of our income, and in turn, he promises to abundantly supply our needs. In this case, the blessing comes by doing. In James 1 verses 22 and 25, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Don't get me wrong here. It is not a case of if God does not need us to do anything. We do not live under Old Testament law. It is not a case of if you do X, you will get Y. Rather, it is an opportunity to show God the faith we have in him. As the Bible says, we... Walk by faith, not by sight. Faith means trusting in God even when things seem impossible. It is usually when we step out in faith, he meets us. I believe he does this so we will learn to lean on him more and in doing so, increase the faith that we already have in him. In order to do this and remain strong during these times, we need to be able to stand on God's word, which we have already placed within us. That is why the Bible tells us to study Bible scripture. Bible study and scripture memorization is so important. (laughs) The truth is we all need God's grace, love and power 
and our lives. When you plant a seed, you expect a harvest. When you plant God's word in your life, you can expect it to grow, develop roots and help you to stand strong when the storms of life come your way. When I began this, I said my plan was to take one of God's promises for this year and stand on it. I may have decided that God had a different plan and he took mine and he threw it out the window. <laughs> I do believe we should claim his promises, stand on them, trust in him and watch him work. And I fully intend to do this. But in case you didn't notice in my intro, my attitude to the last few years has been a bit off. So God placed one word in my head, gratitude. And gratitude will be my word to stand on and what I will practice this year. As Psalm 107 verse 1 says, to give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. The love of God is one promise we can all count on. That and knowing we can cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. So this year when something comes your way that would tend to worry or trouble you, instead talk to God about it and consider his word. Learn the promises he has made to you. There are a lot of them. Then quote the promise, stand on it and trust him to act. Can I have the musos up please? they come, I'm just going to pray. Father, I thank you that you hear our prayers and the cries of our hearts and that you care for each of us as a parent does for their children. Thank you for your word and the promises you have placed within it for us. I ask that this year ahead that we remember your word and the promises you have for us. Help us to set our hearts and minds on it, study it and apply it to our lives and in the situations we think face. I thank you that in the midst of whatever we are going through, we know we can turn to you and find hope, guidance and love. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Church Christchurch podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit www.elamchristchurch.org or connect at one of our services every Sunday at 10am.